0: Ladies and gentlemen, Happy New Year. My goodness, the first Rise Together podcast of the new year. I am here for 2020. 2020 is going to be a very, very big year. In the Hollis house, it's going to be a very big year for Dave Hollis. That is me. I'm talking about myself in the third person. Uh, I will not do that any longer because that's annoying. Welcome to this week's episode. I just had a crazy, amazing experience And I wanna talk about it because I think as a tool to set your year up for wild success, uh, this thing that I just did, I went on a walkabout, as it were, in nature uh, by myself. Uh, It is a thing that uh, absolutely is gonna change the way that I show up well in 2020, not just for myself, but also for my relationship. I wanna dig into the importance of getting clear, the importance of uh, spending some time away from your every single day life to really afford the opportunity to zero in on what matters, what's important, and maybe more importantly, what's not important, so that you actually have a chance at uh, achieving every single thing that you want to go chase in this year, this year, 2020, new decade, new decade. I'm Rachel Hollis. And I'm Dave Hollis. And we're married. For like 15 years. And we have four kids. That's like a thousand kids. We've been foster parents to four kids as well. And we're running a business together. That's a lot of things. It is a lot of things. But we know that it's possible to have an exceptional relationship regardless of the stresses you have in your life. So if you want some tips and tricks on how we get through all the things, this is Rise Together. Was uh, on a podcast recently interviewed by Jen Hatmaker. She asked the question, "What the ten years ago version of me would say to myself or think about myself?" And it's it's a wild thing, you know. Like, do you ever at these milestone years are transitioning or decades are transitioning? I remember, you know, Y two K very very much. Uh, unbelievable that it's now twenty years ago since Y two K, but. Uh, it is an interesting time. When you hit a new year, you're always going to look back on the year. But you hit a new decade, you have to look back a little bit on the decade. And, man, I turned 45 this year, for, turned 45 in February. The 35-year-old version of me had no concept of what this decade would, un, you know, would have in store for me. Uh, this, the 35-year-old version of me could not have contemplated not working at the Walt Disney Company, could never have seen me writing a book, or talking into a microphone in a podcast studio where I work in a building with my wife. But, uh, but here I am. So uh, if anything, I, I'm excited about what's going to happen, uh, not just in 2020, but what's going to happen in the 20s. We're in the 20s, y'all. Uh, I get excited about uh, reminding myself of how unpredictable the past decade was as a hopeful sign of just how unpredictable the things I think that are possible for the next 10 years, I have zero concept of every single thing that's possible. And that's exciting to me because I know we're chasing big things. And uh, if the last year is any sign, uh, we have undercalled the capacity that we have, the possibility for impact that we have, the uh, way that we can drink from fire hydrants at all times. Uh, We can drink from fire hydrants. I had no concept. So uh, about two months ago, Rachel Hollis finishes with me the RISE Business Conference in Charleston, South Carolina, and immediately, because it just, man, takes a ton of energy to be up on stage, jumping up and down for three consecutive days, she immediately uh, took off to decompress with a friend. Uh, One of our uh, speakers and friends, Amy Porterfield and Rachel, they go to the desert, they went out to Arizona, and they went to a place where technology is not permitted, which man, uh, for some of us, if you're listening to this on a device, especially, like I'm sure you can relate, like technology is such a big part of our lives that going to a place that actually forbids technology is a darn thing. And, uh, and they go to this, uh, this hotel, and they go into this technology-free experience to to relax and rest. And uh, serendipitously, providentially, I don't know what it was, the universe had placed Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday. It uh, was a number one New York Times bestselling book, and I uh, happened to be reading this book at the same time that they are having this experience, and as much as I'm sure that they went to enjoy some recharging time by themselves, they also uh, were afforded, in the absence of technology, a place to just kind of clear their head and think about what the most important things are for this coming year. And uh, at the same time, I'm reading this book, Stillness is the Key. I, I really recommend it. It's a great read. It's a lot of very, very practical thinking and teaching. But sometimes you hear the right message at the right time. And man, hearing this message from Ryan was uh, the right time for me to hear something that as soon as Rachel comes out of this experience in the desert she's like yo you need to book some time to do this same thing and I'm like you know what you are correct I do need to do it and uh, what's interesting like the the part of us in our brain that like I think, almost like inflates the importance that we have in maintaining the balance of the relationship or how hard it might be if we were to interrupt our regular life for our work or for um, you know, leaving the kids, uh, I think we've resisted sometimes doing something that is so critically important to the strength, to the welfare of our relationship, and that is leaving each other for solitude. And uh, in this instance, because she just had this amazing experience because I'd been reading this book, when she brought it up, as much as normally I think I may have paused to wonder if this was a good or bad idea, I jumped on it immediately. I was like, yep, I do need to do this. I am going to book my trip to the desert in real time. I'm not even gonna bring anybody. I am going to go by myself I am going to do one of the most adult things that maybe I've ever done as a grown human. I'm gonna go with a pad of paper and no technology and try and wrestle with the things that are swirling around in my head to see if I can't in understanding a little bit better what I'm thinking about, I might be able to parse through what of those things are serving me, what of those things are holding me back, and which of those things are distracting me from having the maximum impact in my relationships, in my work, with the things that I need to go and accomplish in 2020, and uh, and so I made this I made this appointment. I I, I decided to tell my team, hey, I'm not going to come in on a Thursday and Friday. I'm going to leave Thursday morning. I will be gone all day Thursday, all day Friday, all day Saturday, and I will come back on Sunday morning, having had an experience and. Uh, in a strange way, it was it was an emotional thing, uh, bizarrely for me in leaving to go do this because I, as much as you know, like I've yet become really really comfortable with my love for therapy, the uh, the pursuit of like health in all its forms, mental health, emotional health, physical health. Uh, I had not really spent a ton of time by myself, and certainly not time. Where technology could distract me from my thoughts. And so the idea of going into a weekend where the intention was to get a hold of what in 2020 is gonna light your heart on fire? What in 2020 is gonna light your heart on fire, Dave? uh, You know, like going in pursuit of that answer. In a strange way, in this like bizarre limiting beliefs, a little bit of negative self-talk kind of way as I'm driving to the airport, getting strangely a little emotional, I had this like, man, what if I get into three days of diving into my thoughts and don't find an answer? Like, what if there isn't something? What if I'm just not capable of the kind of happiness that other people report on? What if I, like, of course that's, it's bananas, but I go, into this, I go into this weekend thinking, man, I sure hope I find an answer. I get on the plane, get my notebook ready. I'm drawing a little ship because I, I love my ship analogy. A ship is safe in harbor, but that's not what ships are built for. I am going to go figure out what's out in these choppy waters for me in 2020. And as the, plan, the plane lands, and I'm now driving to this hotel. I have a different set of uh, strange emotional feelings now. When a Vici song has come on in the car, feels right, man. Vici, my co-pilot on my long runs, get me a little emotional as I'm driving towards a hotel. The the next thought I end up having is, oh, well, what if I go on this existential question answer search, and the answers I get back are answers that I don't like. <laughs> What if the the universe, what if my connecting with God, what if my connecting with myself ends up revealing answers that I don't like? Oh, should I do this? Am I sure I should do this? And it was at this moment that I realized I uh, know myself well enough and that if I'm committed to doing this... Against some of the insecurities that are presenting themselves, and the emotion bizarrely that is showing up, and me getting to really disconnect and spend time in my head, in my thoughts, fueling me, pouring into my picture first, so I can pour into others. I need to get rid of all chance to back out with social media. So I, in a move that I have not done since the invent of uh, since the uh, invention, the advent of uh, social media, I deleted Facebook. Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, and Twitter from my phone, and then sent a note to the person who helps uh, with some social media here at the company and asked them to change my passwords. I'm sorry. Uh, I know myself well enough that if this ends up introducing things that I have to struggle through, I will look to distract myself by swiping through my feed for three hours rather than dealing with getting the bottom of the questions that I'm asking. So take that off the table. Here we go. It's tech-free, desert-walking, just outside of Tucson, Arizona. If I wasn't ready before, I sure am ready now because I have zero access to the things that have otherwise been the distraction in my life when existential big-picture questions start to become uncomfortable in how I'm trying to answer them. I'm not a journaler. I don't even know if a journaler is a word, but uh, I have, uh, yes, with the start to journals that we have, focused on gratitude and intentional goal-setting every day, but free-form, writing-in-a-journal work, that is not the work that I have uh, ever, ever done. I mean, like, when I'm asked to sign something, that is more or less the extent of pen working on paper in my every single day, such that now my handwriting is very close to that of a very important doctor. You can barely read the words that I'm writing on a piece of paper. But I have committed that I will embrace, in part because of having read this Stillness is the Key book, in part because of the advice that came from Rachel and the power of putting words on paper, I am going to, in this experience, sit with a pad of paper, with a notebook that I've drawn a ship on, and just write whatever comes into my head. And it was bizarre. (laughs) It was, uh, it was uncomfortable. And maybe if you're listening, you're like, "Oh man, I'm a journaler for a ton of time. That is a word. I love to journal. I've got stickers, not ships, on my on my journal." Well, good for you. I'm happy for you, and I'm sure then that you understand the power of journaling. But if you don't journal, dang it, I am going to encourage you to do something that maybe sounds weird and certainly will feel weird at the beginning, and that is to write in a journal, free form, without prompts, without anything other than whatever comes into your head, and to do it for a length of time that goes past that point where you exhaust what is immediately in your head. So I start writing, sitting outside on a rock. Yeah, I was like communing with nature. I'm on a rock, and I am writing on the first morning, and my first sentence in this journal was, look at me, I'm journaling. And then I drew an emoji with a straight face with big eyes. So clearly I was missing my tech already on the first morning and I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. And so I just like freeform what's in your head, started writing, started writing, started writing. And about 20 minutes in, I crossed this threshold where my conscious thoughts gave way to my unconscious thoughts and things just started pouring out onto the page. And if you've ever been to therapy and you've not journaled, I'm going to tell you that like as you cross that threshold, this is where it turns into therapy, but you are actually the therapist. And as a person who sat in a room and been the beneficiary of somebody objectively listening to me talk about all the things as I try to process why I do the things I do, how I show up for my relationships the way I do, how I get in my way the way I do, uh, there's some self-censoring in therapy that I can acknowledge exists in a way that your unconscious thoughts just pouring onto a piece of paper are a little more honest, transparent, reflective when you're not second-guessing whether this person who says that they will not judge you, are you sure they won't judge you? Maybe they'll judge you. Maybe I'll tell a little bit of a story. When you're just by yourself, you have to just write what comes in your head. And uh, and it was crazy. I, I will say it was crazy in the absolute very best way, because uh, knowing that I'd given myself enough space, I was there Thursday uh, evening, all day Friday, all day Saturday, I knew I had more or less two full 12-hour days of sitting on rocks or whatever else to really process every single thing that came up. And The thing that ended up coming up that was the most important, biggest revelation for me in this experience and in determining what happens for me in 2020 was a revelation in my writing of the idea of if-then. If I want this, then I have to do these things in order to have that, which is such a... It's a ridiculously simple concept, but in the process of writing these words and, th- and, and doing this, this work, I'm asking myself a set of questions of what I wanna focus on, of who I'd like to be, the kind of identity I'd like to step into and how I'd like to show up in 2020 for my wife. I know this is a relationship podcast. Trust me, there's a point. You have to do this solo work and become full and whole and fantastic as an individual, if you hope to, as two full, unbelievably great, whole individuals, come together in an exceptional relationship. I was in this work as much for understanding questions for myself as I was in the ambition of, in becoming more full, whole, rested, clear, focused, able to come back and be in relationship with Rachel as a dad to Jackson, Sawyer, Ford, and Noah, as a leader inside of the Hollis Company to my team, I wanna come back with a sense of who I need to be for them against the answering of the question, who do I want to be? And so I went down this path through a variety of different lenses of who, Dave, do you actually want to be? And how, if you actually want to be them, Would you need to show up for these relationships and for yourself so that you could uh, create consistency in the actions that you take to support the language you use around who you say you want to be? So I'm going to start there. The first big breakthrough that I had as I'm sitting out in nature and I'm having my technology free existential exploration into who the heck I say I want to be, the first things I started writing down were interestingly observations of of times where I was unhappy, not actually living into the characteristics of who I'd broadcast myself to want to be. That sounded confusing. But you know, I'm, I'm telling people that I wanna be a great leader, but I know in the privacy of my own head when I'm by myself at the end of a day that I haven't shown up as well as I could have. And that dissonance, that incongruence between my actions and my stated objectives created some space and in that space frustration shame disappointment regret whatever whatever you want to whatever you want to call it but the the distance the dissonance the incongruence between who i'd suggested that i was interested in being and who i'd shown up as was creating an imbalance, an absence of harmony. There was something that was missing that was producing an unfulfilled feeling. And it triggered in my having spent the... Which is interesting. Like my brain started in a place of trying as I'm projecting who I want to be and how I want to pursue what I'd like to pursue in 2020, the, the ways in 2019, in 2018, in 2017, the times when... I was unfulfilled for having a, an absence of focus or the times that I was unfulfilled for that distance between who I said I wanted to be and how I showed up in that space. So as I, as I took the, okay, I know I don't want to do that, I had to ask the question of then what do I want to do? And what I want to do is create harmony, create consistency, create con- congruence between what I proclaim to be my mission in this year ahead and the actions required to attain that mission. And here's where I got the clarity and it was like the gift of gifts. The clarity was if I say I want an exceptional relationship, then I need to do these very specific things to actually be true to what I'm suggesting. I could say I just wanna have a good relationship I want to have a relationship that just doesn't fight. I want to have a relationship that intermittently makes out. I want to have a relationship that's more friends than anything that, you know, avoids conflict. I could I could define my interest in how Rachel and I have a relationship in so many different ways and I've decided to say I want to have an exceptional relationship. I want to have a relationship where we are both in perpetual pursuit of each other. Okay. So if you say that that's what you want, Dave, what actions would you need to take on an every single day basis to create consistency, to create create congruence with this thing that you've suggested? If you want this, then what must you do, right? I have uh, a schedule in 2020 that is unbelievably exciting and completely different than anything I have ever experienced because of the book coming out. Because when the book comes out in March, there is a 23-city book tour that I am going on because of the fact that there are six rise events where I'll be jumping up and down speaking on stage. There's a rise run. We have uh, coaching coming for me this year. There's, right, there's just a whole host of things that require me to adopt certain habits, to be a, a, a kind of disciplined person in order to show up as well as I suggest that I'd like to on those stages. So if I want to have the energy to have the kind of impact that I'd hope for at the 6 rise events, a rise run, the uh, coaching that I'm going to do, the 22 city book tour, the launch of the rise app, target coming out, like all of the things that we have happening lead this team well. Then then, right? If if I want to have the energy, then I have to embrace my physical health religiously, right? I have to commit to this. I move my body for 30 minutes every day mentality because of it being a thing that'll create consistency with this person. I say I'd like to be, I like to have the energy to be able to show up well for this community. If you want to be able to show up well for this community, then you have to. It is a prerequisite. It is a mandatory pay attention to your physical health. If you want to do those things, you also have to pay attention to your emotional health. you, you have to pay attention to your mental health, right? And so the, the, the outcome of, like this individual piece of the conversation was, making sure that my calendar is a reflection of the work that's required to have me show up. Do I have the, you know, the time on my schedule to get up and get out in that, that garage gym every morning? Do I have a therapist meeting on the calendar so that when things get hard, I have an outlet that lets me have a conversation. I mean, in real time, I have adopted a new morning routine out of this long weekend because of my recognition that having a therapist isn't necessarily always going to be a thing that is available on a day when I have a trigger, but I can be my own therapist in this journaling exercise that I've come to appreciate over this long weekend was absolutely a thing for processing what was going on in my head. And so I am now starting every single day with writing in a journal for at least 10 minutes to just let everything that's sitting on the top of my consciousness pour onto a piece of paper so that I can process any of the things that may in some way get in the way of me showing up the way that I'd hoped to for the team, for my wife, for the physical and mental health that I need to have the energy for the year that we have ahead. I I had a, you know, a, a conversation about who I want to be as a part of this company, right? Like I want to, yep, absolutely 100% lead this team. Well, we've grown quickly over the course of the last year from four to now 64 or so people, a lot of growth in a short period of time. So there's You know, work that is required and time that is required, emotional intelligence and connecting with leaders and setting vision and everything else that's required and making sure that this team is led well. But also, I, in this time by myself, recognize that I am really, really excited about my book coming out. I'm really excited about coaching and the way that I'll teach through both the coaching itself and the live sessions that exist between uh, each of the classes when they come out, and in that, if I had to try and define what it is that I'd hope for in the aftermath of all the coaching and all the book you know, work that ends up happening in March and beyond, I truly have an appetite to be a thought leader, which is kind of a crazy, ridiculous-ish word to throw out about yourself. There's a little hubris almost in that, but I'd like to be that, okay? So I'm going to declare to the universe, I'd like to be a thought leader. So then I said, if you'd like to be a thought leader, then you must do these things, right? And one of the things that came up for me, uh, super transparency, right? I, I'm, I'm a person who wrote a book. I'm a person who's doing a lot of work inside of the personal development space. And I am not the most avid of readers. I just, I don't know. I've just never been a person who reads a ton of books. I like podcasts when I do have a book that I want to get through, I'm usually listening to the audio audible version of it. But I I recognize that there are there's a price of entry. There is a cost to the ambition of being someone who wants something as elevated as thought leader. And that is leaders are readers, right? Like I can't possibly hope to be as effective a teacher, to formulate my own thoughts without being someone who is voraciously reading. And so I got to have a really interesting conversation with myself about whether or not I was interested in the requirements of the job, right? I'm setting a vision for who I'd hope to be and how I'd hope to show up in 2020, and now I've got to ask, okay, are you interested in taking a step in this direction where you can hopefully take the experiences of your life, but also the experiences of just hyper digesting as many books, as many podcasts, as many other teachers as you possibly can to create your own interpretation, your own version of or reaction to your, um, hey, I heard this thing, and as much as they have insight, I want to disagree with it because of having had life experience that suggests a completely different narrative. If I'm interested in this pursuit of work, if like not just, as if it's just a thing, not just helping lead the organization here at the Hollis Company were enough, I'd I love that part of this job, but man... As I think about 2020, I have interest in other things. Well, those other things come with conditions. They come with prerequisites. And on the mornings when now I'm waking up and I have to figure out how to prioritize my time, the if-then conversation is informing whether or not I am game for this thing I've suggested I want to go do. And I'm going to throw out here at the beginning of 2020 that you're going to have to have a conversation about what it is that you say you want to be and how you'd hope to show up both in your personal life for yourself but also in your relationships if you work at work and what it takes to create the consistency, the, the, the congruency between what you suggest you'd want and how you have to act to actually make that come together. Because what I realized, right, in in, my, in my, my hope for being someone who continue, can continue to accumulate knowledge and in accumulating it, share it in a way that affords people the opportunity to learn from it or have any kind of impact. I have an ability to speak. I, man, appreciate the gifts that were given to me in my ability to speak. So if I didn't wanna do the work, I absolutely think that there's a chance that I could convince anyone who would listen of my having figured something out or repackaged something that someone else said, or you know, uh, not, not studying for a test and getting a good grade uh, in my life has produced unhappiness, unfulfillment. And in this instance, not doing the actual work and convincing people that they ought to listen to me without having done the work it it may have been something that could have created followers it could have maybe created commerce it could have maybe created you know like success on the outside but w- it would have come at the expense of feeling unbelievably empty on the inside and i'm going to offer that if you are someone who can for whatever reason convince them the collective them of this world that things are great or that you've figured it out or that Um, You know, because of some gifts that you've been given, you don't necessarily have to put in every ounce of work in the if-then equation. The disconnect between what you ought to be, what you should be putting in effort-wise to get those results is probably the reason why they feel less fulfilling. Right, I, any any of the unfulfillment or under fulfillment that's existed in my life, and the story of why I needed to leave what I knew for what I needed, and leaving Disney for the Hollis Company was super super connected to getting the accolades and the status and the bonus and the title for a job that did not require as much effort because of the strength of the teams the strength of the slate the strength of the leadership of the organization selling star wars and avengers movies to movie theaters wasn't that hard because of all of those contributing factors and in the absence of it being difficult i wasn't having to do the things that people need to do at that level to feel a sense of fulfillment right we're in a new decade we are in a new decade and I want to encourage you as we start this year off to first find the space, right? Like you have to find the space. If you are listening to this as as a partner, please give each other the gift of the space to individually go on a journey to ask some different questions, to ask what it is that you are going to be focused on in 2020, what it is that... Uh, would like light, light your heart on fire? What it is that you hope to do, and then if you hope to do it, then what will it require? Right? What work will it require? I was going back and forth with a friend whose birthday happened to be last weekend, and he uh, just very innocently asked how entrepreneur life was going, and it, it's an interesting question because the last year, the last two years have been the very best years and the absolute very hardest years as well. I mean, there is no question that uh, we are onto something. Dang it. I do believe that there's a lot of good work and great impact that's happening as a result of the work that we're doing and it's hard. And the hard part has, has been for me, the transition out of an environment where Things would come up, problems would come up, you know, you'd find something that wasn't working the way you thought it was supposed to, and you could deploy the rescue units inside of a big corporate environment to fixing that thing that showed up, and it was gone. It was taken care of. It was taken care of by people with a lot of experience and in uh, a whole host of uh, ex- you know, f- ways of, of dealing with stuff that had just always kind of been dealt with. And in this small business, with the speed with which things have grown and uh, trying to figure out things in sometimes less conventional spaces, problems come up every day, not even every day, every three hours. And as I was going back and forth in this text, I was explaining, uh, you know, it's taken time for me to appreciate that if you want to pursue the life of a small business operator, if you want to be an entrepreneur, then you have to reframe how problems happening at the frequency that they will happen are for you and not against you, are for you and not an indictment of you not being onto something or an indictment of your um, having the capacity or capability of, of figuring them out. The problems of our business are here to help us learn from those problems to become the business that we are meant to be five years from now. And the price of entry in becoming the business we'd hope to be five years from now is the realization that these problems will exist every single day, forever and ever, right? Like the problems that exist today will be solved and they will then introduce new problems. And so I have to ask myself if, I am a person who is comfortable getting comfortable. If I, Can I get comfortable with the discomfort that exists inside of small business ownership in, in partnering with your wife? There are a whole host of other things that get to come up in ego and working and how we turn things on or off. And uh, the question is, can you be comfortable with the, the price of entry, the things that working together inevitably bring up in a relationship? Because those problems of a small business, those problems in working together as husband and wife, those problems exist, whether I like them or not. And if I want to pursue this work in this business, if I want to pursue this work in partnership with my wife, I have to accept that the things that are going to show up are the price of entry and the vehicle for us growing as a business for the business that we hope to become five years from now. Personally, right? There's a personal analogy in that. The person that you're suggesting that you'd like to become comes with a contingency, with a prerequisite of stuff. And you have to ask yourself here we are, start of 2020, here we are, start of the 20s, new decade in front of us. When you say that you want to have a relationship that looks like this, when you say that you want to have a life that looks like this, the life that you've just called out, the specific details of the life that you've just called out come with a little gift with purchase that you may not necessarily love, right? And that's the price of entry. That's just the cost. That's what's required to have that life. If uh, having a great life, having an exceptional relationship, having a, a, a personal you know, dialogue inside of your head that when you are by yourself makes you feel proud and happy and not, you know, any kind of regret or shame. If those things were easy, everybody would have them. But having the life that many others don't requires doing things that many others won't. And you're going to have to decide, here we are, start of the year, can you get through the if-then statements of the life you're suggesting on January 2nd, if you are comfortable with the then statements of the if that you have projected for this year, awesome. But if you think you can negotiate the conditions of your then, you know what? I would like to have an exceptional relationship if you would like to have an exceptional relationship then, but you know what? I am not interested in doing the work to understand the wiring of my partner. I'm not willing to let the calendar that we have as a couple be a reflection of this exceptional relationship I proclaim I'm interested in. I'm not willing to do the work in therapy. I don't want to wade into hard conversations. Oh, okay, which, by the way, is 100% your choice, and dang it, I respect it. But with all, uh, all respect, you have just opted away from an exceptional relationship right? If you can't handle the conditions of the then, you don't get the benefit of the if, right? If you want an exceptional relationship, your calendar needs to reflect your dedication to an exceptional relationship. You better get that date night on the calendar every week of 2020. If you want an exceptional relationship, intimacy is a part of an exceptional relationship. I'm not just talking about what happens in the bedroom. I, <laughs> we, were, we were on a trip recently and Rachel and I had this conversation, and there was this moment where uh, I made light of something that showed how little I understood about her, and probably women generally. Uh, we're we're in Christmas mug season in real time. I'm sure first week of January, we're just we're still probably enjoying them because we're not going to put them away too early, but they're just about now to go. But if you know anything about Rachel Hollis, this woman loves, I mean. Is insane for crazy for love's Christmas mug season. And when the revelation of one of our mugs breaking last year was brought to our attention, I made light of the fact that, uh, you know, me buying a mug wasn't going to be the thing that would have her interested in making out with me. Uh, I was corrected fast. She in no uh, no small uh, in 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 few words was able to say, "Look, if you think that you being thoughtful enough, knowing how much I appreciate Christmas mugs, if you don't think that you getting me a replacement Christmas mug isn't going to be a thing that makes me want to make out with you, you don't know me, right?" Intimacy isn't just about what happens in the bedroom, it's about knowing your partner well enough that you can be deliberate and intentional in thinking about the little tiny touches, the $7.99 replacement mug that comes from Amazon for Christmas, right? I mean, trust me, I got the mug, and I ended up getting a second mug because, I mean, makeouts. But the bottom line ends up being, right? Whatever you're suggesting, here we are, beginning of the year, year is fresh, it's clean, and you, man, the, the world is your oyster. You can go and do and be anything, anything so long as there's an appreciation that if you say you want that thing, it comes with a certain amount of work that you'll have to commit to as well. And if, again, and I just, I want to say this because this is like, this is a choose your own adventure life, right? One of the things that my 2020 comes with is acknowledging that I have to be asleep by 9 p.m. every single night, right? I am someone who does not normally go to bed at 9 p.m., but With the way I've re-engineered my morning routine, I'm starting with my journaling, I'm doing my start today journal and then some free form journaling. I'm doing a devotional practice every single morning. I have a workout that happens in the five o'clock hour every single morning. I'm doing live stream in the morning, right? My morning routine is the platform from which every other good thing happening in my day springs from. So if I wanna have that morning as the catalyst for my day, and as the thing that unlocks the energy I'll need for those stages, as the energy I'll need for the coaching, as the energy I'll need to get out on that book tour, I have to do the things that are required to make that morning productive. That means sacrifice, because I like to stay up later than 9 p.m., but I can't, because if I wanna have those things, then I have to commit to things. Now, guess what? Some of you are listening right now, you're like, I couldn't go to bed at nine Because this is us starts at nine. I don't know if it starts at nine. I'm just going to, for the sake of argument, let's pretend like it starts at nine and you watch a conventional television and we're sitting in a place where streaming doesn't exist and uh, it's on channel four, which is like three notches on a turnstile. Anyway, if your decision to stay up late is more important than the kind of rest that you'd need to get up and have a morning routine like mine that might unlock some of the things that I believe it's going to unlock for me, that's okay, right? Like you're making a priority over watching television or staying up late or deciding that you, know, you need to deviate from that plan. That's okay. But in that trade-off, as long as there's an appreciation of what that trade-off means, you won't be able to get up earlier. You can't be up before the kids to get some things done. It, may not afford you the time to connect with some of the goals you have in maintaining your mental health or your spiritual health. It may not afford you the same kind of consistency with your physical health. It may not, right? So if, if, if staying up late ends up being a priority for you, as long as you understand that staying up late and watching TV and that decision, which again, I super am comfortable with as long as you get, that that maybe comes at the expense of what you would need to have happening in your morning to have a day produce a a, a different kind of result. Uh, It's going to require an an appreciation of the trade-offs. And that kind of an exercise, man, I was fortunate to do it here in mid-December. This episode is obviously coming out here early January. I love the idea of doing this exercise early January because you are about to spring into this new year and chase all of these things What I don't want, because man, I've just come out of this season of having been so in a ditch and so unfulfilled because of that incongruence, I don't want you to set yourself up for believing that you are going to have, you're going to proclaim, I'm going to have an exceptional relationship or I am going to be this person who lives in this way and then only be able to satisfy the three or four of 10 conditions that that big audacious proclamation requires and that dissonance, that inconsistency or incongruency create the kind of feeling that it will. I've had that feeling. And that feeling is the worst feeling because that's the feeling that you experience in the privacy of your own head when you're trying to fall asleep at night but can't. So As long as you can head into this year with the clarity, the focus of what really matters, the clarity, the focus of what it will take, then you will be able to go and chase whatever that thing is uh, without the kind of distraction, without the kind of disruption uh, that usually throws us off in our every other day. And as you're able to go and have the experience that I have, I mean, the, the whole point of bringing this up on a relationship podcast was truly... I came back from my having had this three-day experience floating. I was like, how can I show up for you as a husband to a wife, as a father to you, my children? Let me, let me let's let go, right? Taking an, a very deliberate, intentional pause from my every other day, getting this thing that has always been a background distraction, social media, off as a, you know, just completely outside of what was a possibility for me for three days, allowed me to focus in a way that I never, ever am able to focus. It didn't distract me. I did not waste time. I was forced to sit with my thoughts, and in sitting with those thoughts, really wrestle with what worked in this past year and what I want to make sure I do right, better, different, more focused in 2020 to tee me up for the year I know I can have. Y'all, I am excited for you. Uh, I I will leave you with this one last idea because uh, we have talked about this on a previous Rise Together podcast, but it's one of these things that I am looking forward to in two weeks of time. It will happen between now and when this episode airs. And that is every year, the week between Christmas and New Year's, Rachel Hollis and I do what we call a calendar audit. Calendar audit is such a great way to start a new year. We go through and look at what in our calendar served us and what held us back. What was a good use of time? What was a poor use of time? Uh, so we tend to literally go day by day during the week, the, the the day planner, and open up and look at first. I mean, we start with this, the first thing what were the places where we experienced joy? So we just make columns on columns on a piece of paper. Where, where did we experience joy? What was a good use of time, like really good use of time, the thing that absolutely returned its like invested time over and over and over? What was a poor use of time? Was something that we should not repeat, absolutely should not repeat? And what was something that was unconventional that happened on the calendar that we learned something from, right? That we invested time to learn, to grow, to do, right? And so we go through and we like make a little tick mark as we run the calendar of was, did this, was this something that really was just like, man, it made us happy. It created a lot of joy. Was this a really great use of time? Write it down. Was this a bad use of time? Man, we shouldn't have joined that partnership. We shouldn't have volunteered on that thing. We shouldn't have, wait, right. Make the, make that list. And then what did, where did we learn? Where where were times where we learned a ton? And the intention is obviously uh, to Ask yourself honestly if you had enough moments of just legitimate joy, doing the things that bring you joy. So, like going on a trip or having a massage or doing, like, it could just be like heading to the park, right? It doesn't have to be something that costs money. It could just be that you did something with the family that just legit was, man, that was an awesome day. And what we've found is, like, I'm sure most people, There just aren't enough days where there is like just legitimate joy. And so using that knowledge and being more intentional and deliberate with how you're planning your 2020 calendar to intentionally, even though it takes some of this, you know, serendipity, not serendipity, the spontaneity out of it, you know, making sure that your calendar is just like infused with little bursts of joy could just be like, hey, we're gonna run over to the old uh, frozen yogurt store go ahead, write it on the calendar right now for February 12th at 4 p.m. after the kids get up, get out of school for no good reason. Just write down, we're going to TCBY or whatever it is, we're going to get a small yogurt with three toppings just because it's Thursday, right? Then of the things that ended up like really being good uses of time, let that be instructive for the kind of things you should say yes to, right? You are the gatekeeper of your calendar. What are the things in 2020 that you should say yes to? What are the things that you should proactively seek out and put on your calendar right this very second? If they were a good use of time in 2019, there's a decent chance that there'll be a good use of time in 2020. If you are not conscientious of what was a good use or bad use of time, you probably will just say yes to the things as they come across your desk, as they come into your calendar at home, and then we'll, frankly, be bummed <laughs> that you said yes to things that were bad use of time. Of the things that are bad use of time, every single time, there is, uh, there's a handful of things we're like, geez, this was a really, really poor use of time. And we use it as a teachable conversational moment with our team. Hey, guys, these are the things that we thought were good ideas that we pursued, that we invested meetings in, that we maybe invested trips in for the company, and they did not produce fruit. Let's talk about why they didn't produce fruit so we don't make the same mistake and waste time in 2020. And then the last one, where did we learn? We have committed ourselves to having a learning experience on the calendar always within a six-month period. And as soon as we're ready to go to the next learning experience, always have the next one on the calendar. So For us, it's reminding ourselves of where we invested in ourselves so that we can, in the gratitude of that recognition and the reminder of how valuable it was, get our calendar in 2020 to already reflect where we plan to invest in our growth so that it is not a question of if it will happen, but when. That, uh, that was a, a journey into the desert, sitting on a rock, self-reflection, power of journaling. Is that an actual word, journaler? Uh, and then a conversation around if then. Uh, more than anything, this is the beginning of a year. This is the beginning of a decade. It's time for you to call your shot. It's time for you as you call that shot to understand the implications of what that comes with. And as you're up for it, To just appreciate that even though there may be some things that come with reaching for a better relationship, reaching for a better version of yourself, reaching for, you know, anything that has you in a growth posture, growth inevitably is going to come with something that is disruptive or uncomfortable because that is by definition how growth shows up. It's not a bad thing, but if you can front load yourself right now, beginning of January for what you're getting into, you'll embrace all of the things that it comes with in a wholly different way. I think totally differently now about what I got to do to have the 2020 that I am interested in because I appreciate the if-then math of if I want these things, then I got to do this stuff. It's It's really, really simplified how I hope to show up in the relationships that matter in my life, and maybe even more importantly, in the relationship I have with myself. I am a fuller, wholer human for having had this experience. And as a result of this time away from my relationship, I walk back into it better able to commit to the exceptional version of us as a couple because of the strength of me as an individual. I hope that you'll do the same. If you enjoyed this episode at all, I would encourage you, please, Take a screenshot of this and share it on your social media. Tag me, Mr. Dave Hollis. Uh, Tag Miss Rachel Hollis. Tell her that you liked it as well. Uh, More than that, I want to encourage you, if there's any part of this conversation that you feel encouraged by, that you would, without even letting another day go by, have a conversation with your partner about how and where you plan to dive into a departure from your regularly scheduled programming it doesn't, you don't need to do what I did and go to Tucson and sit on a rock. You can take six hours on a Saturday, honey, goodbye. I love you. I need to be gone from noon until six. I'm going to go sit and write in a journal without prompts and see what happens when I clear myself from the responsibilities of our family and the distraction of technology, but commit to getting yourself some space so that in the clarity, you can find clarity, right? In that, in that space, in, in the silence, in the stillness, uh, you're able to unlock a little bit about what uh, you need to focus on, what has held you back potentially in 2019 and what it would mean to in having the clarity of where you're going, have uh, a map, uh, have a better chance of ultimately reaching the destination that you hope for because of knowing where you're going. All right, y'all, we will see you next week on Rise Together. We appreciate you being here. And uh, I hope that this is a great way to start your 2020. Let's have a decade. Let's go have a 20s, y'all. We'll see you next week.